All right, everybody, this is, you're in for a treat tonight because we're telling another story that I that I knew about and then I forgot about, but now I can never forget about it. It's called The Case of the Approachable Safe. It's uh, from a collection of uh, stories, un- untold tales. Uh, so, somewhere in my imagination, these stories are being told, and every once in a while I catch a whisper, and then I go back and I say, wait, tell me more. Is this a, one of those Lady Marple mysteries? And they say, that's not a good idea. And I say, well, it's a possibility, though, that somewhere out on a bog, a comforting bog, lives Lady Marple. And she, you know, like she was once uh, like a, a regular like person, Miss Marple or Mrs. Marple or Ms. Marple or Marple, you know, Marple is, uh, she preferred, just call me Marple. And she lives out on, and, and I say, when I think, when I say Lady Marple, I always think of, uh, I think it was, I don't know if it, I always think that I can't remember when, like, there was a G.I. Joe toys I played with at, as a, like, a, as a lad. They were action figures or action figurines. You know, the, the G.I. Joe characters were known. I think one of the advancements they had was, uh, it, the the comedian said this, but I think that was true that they had a kung fu grip, which meant that they're so they had uh oh man now I'm trying to think of how to describe it uh reticulated is that what it is they had elbows and knees and hip joints and shoulder joints, but then at some point they also became able to rotate their arms below the elbow, and that was a pretty big advancement. And they also had like a neck joint, so their necks could move, their heads could move around. Like when you talk about toys, uh, not to say Lady Marple's like, excuse me, I thought this was the case of the missing safe. And I said, yeah, we'll get there. But uh, I was thinking of Lady J or Lady Jane, who was one of the top three. I don't like, so when I played with G.I. Joe's, there was no G.I. Joe. I think the earlier generation, there was a G.I. Joe character. So G.I. Joe was a brand, and I think it was like a super secret. Uh, you see, Scoots, doesn't that stand for everything you stand against at this point? I say, well, pretty much. Uh, but uh, but they were, they were, they were uh, great heroes and heroines, uh, Lady J., I don't know. I think it was like Duke, Lady J, and somebody else, uh, Griswold, maybe. I don't know who the third person was who were kind of running the show. I was never, I guess as a kid, uh, like I said, I would root for the other team because they were always the underdogs. And I think it probably informed an entire generation of storytelling or uh, storytellers that played with toys. Because it was a bit of a trope back then in the 80s that uh, the futility of the villains, because the 80s were an era, oh boy, were they an era when uh, villainy was not considered, even though they had Gordon Gecko, 
I don't know. There's a lot of repression going on. And part of that repression was saying, well, we're going to have the childhood hero, the childhood cartoons only villainy is futility. And don't know what my point was other than Lady J or Lady Jane was one of them. But she I don't think she was like a royalty. All that to say, I've gone royally off topic. So, okay, so let's get back to the point at hand, which is that, where were we? Okay, so Lady Marple, nothing to do, you say, Scoots, I've heard of Marples before. Is this anything like the more famous Marple? And I say, no, this is Lady Marple. She was uh, granted the order, you know, whatever order is bestowed on you to be a lady uh, by the queen. But she was still solving cases, as I teased in the, uh, the, the, the opening of the show. And she lived out on a bog, and she had a, a porch, a back porch, that looked out on the bog uh, where she would sit at night. It actually had, a, what, what do you call that, a, a little silk screen or silk netting around the porch so she could sit out there and not have to worry about the bog-based beings uh, coming and bothering her. That was one of the first cases she solved, the case of the bog-based beings that got on my nerves when I decided to live at a bog. The Lady Marple story, part 44. That was a part of her biography series, not a case, well, not a case we're discussing because it's pretty easily solved. Uh, well, it wasn't easily solved. She tried other stuff. Fans is one of the things she tried. Low-powered and high-powered fans to blow away any. And she said that kind of worked. Uh, but it also got on my nerves and used energy and wasn't 100% effect, not as effective as other things. And she said, this works great because I can see the bog and I can hear the bog. I can soak it in. And it has like a doorway in there, I think, that zips up so she can go out towards the bog, you know, if she wants to. But this is also her back porch. A little bit more rustic than what you would, what, what they call in Florida, a lanai, which is different, I think, than other places in the world. Like when I hear lanai, I think of like, I think of the ocean and Hawaii and just a, a beautiful view. It could be of the mountains. But in Florida, lanai is like a screened in, out, like an outdoors indoors, more or less, or I guess, uh, it's a confused space. It is, uh, and for a multitude of reasons, because one, it's kind of outdoors, it's kind of indoors. It has screens, so you can see stuff, but then with the temperature in Florida, you're like, well, I could just go outside, or I'm, I'm going to go inside where the AC is. Normally, Lanai won't have AC unless then it also has windows. And then you're like, well, this is just a, a porch now. I think that's what we call them, a screened-in porch. Uh, now, Lady uh, Lady uh, Marple's porch is 
not screened in. It's uh, kind of uh, under a net. uh, I don't know. Tough to say. Tough to say, but very inventive and fits 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 the mystique or whatever you want to say. Fits the space very nicely, and that's where uh, Lady Lady uh, Marple would like to sit. Like she liked to think, she liked to have her tea. She drank tea and coffee. She'd have tea between uh, waking up and ten forty-five coffee. 10.45 to 2 p.m. tea. After 2 p.m., you know, other stuff till about 8 o'clock, uh, herbal tea. With, you know, non-caffeinated. And sometimes she would make sun tea, and actually she could make it on the porch because it was because of the netting or the screening. The sun could still get there. And that was one of her favorite things. She had a western-facing a view of the bog so she could sit there and she would tell her guests uh, that you know they they never necessarily she'd say you, you haven't seen the sunset till you've seen it set over a bog but they would normally you know be, be distracted very few people can be enthralled by a bog and it's a good test and i could tell you you haven't been enthralled till you've been enthralled by a bog because you could sit out there, you can listen to the bog, and then like like the, the and then like uh, Lady Marple would say, the sounds change as the sun sets on a bog, and she even even would break into song sometimes, doing a little Elton John. Uh, like I, I think that because Elton John probably has a song that she could easily change to do to, to like and, and put in words like when the sun sets on a bog i think you'd probably have to say when the sun goes down on a bog or something but not many people appreciate it because they think of the other times at the ocean or the lake or some other area overhyped not that doesn't get the love of a bog understandably because you can't really swim in a bog and a lot of people associate bogs and bugs, but this, in this case, the, the best of both worlds when you're with Lady Marple because she solved that case. But she was sitting out there, and one of the things she, she liked to, to do is just relax. Uh, and she also found another thing soothing, which was a, like a giant gumball machine. And she now found only found it soothing. Well, one of the reasons she found it soothing is her guests could get a gumball, and she would always do a slow burn where she would give them a coin when they arrived, uh, and she'd always say, "Hold on to this for me," particularly if there was children or if there was adults. Particularly if there was a, someone who might be labeled persni- per- persnickety. Is that the right word? She would hand them a coin and say. Oh, by the way, hold on to this for me. We're, and it's, if they said more, she said, well, we're going to need it later, maybe. And she would take them out. You know, eventually they would make their way at some point to her treasured area. Unless, you know, they were a guest that was uh, guest-focused. 
And they say, no, I'm not interested in your home. I'm interested in being a guest in your home. But normally they would they would work their way out there. And it was a beautiful uh, gumball machine. And at first glance, most people wouldn't notice it because they say, you've seen one. Not, I don't think many people have said this, but it is assumption you make that you're just not even aware of. You say, I've seen if I've seen one gumball machine... I've seen them all. And I say, well, that's probably totally impossible. But it's like, you know, Malcolm Gladwell had a chapter about it uh, in one of his books. Uh, Wink, I think, was the one that said, yeah, it's called the uh, Gumball Machine Paradox or something, where you say, okay, you just assume they're all, like, you know, you know they're all different, but you don't, you know, you say, well, I don't have time. Well, if I need some gum... Like, I had a pack in my pocket now. Modern era of convenience. And then you may say, Scoots, no, I can picture... And I say, well, yeah, that's your archetypal gumball machine in your mind. I can see it, too. You know, it's got that metal stuff. uh, It's got some glass stuff, probably some metal, you know, on the top. Maybe it's got a stand or... uh, dare I say, a shaft uh, to the floor, and maybe it's got, maybe it's like a little antique looking. Maybe you're more, maybe you picture more something in a globe-like shape. And you say, okay. Now, uh, Lady Marple's, hers was a little bit more grand, not grand, I was going to say grandiose, but it kind of was, uh, it was glass, and it was the size of one of those big water bottles, like back when people would talk about stuff around the water cooler at the office. But it was a little bit higher off the ground. And one of her secrets was that the glass uh, and its thickness and the sun, its setting of the sun, you know, it was all complementary to one another. And the... the uh, it did go down into something very similar, but a little bit more color than just a red or a blue. You had some yellows uh, into a gumball, a familiar gumball machine with the, the thing where you put the coin in and you twist it, and then some gumball comes out. Now, another little thing about uh, Lady Marple was there's just not one size of gumball. One size gumball does not fit all. And she would choose her gumballs uh, very wisely and with a lot of decisions. She, she was what you would, say, you would say is a gumball connoisseur because she had traveled the world and learned what parts of the world have gumballs, what don't, and where gumball manufacturing takes place. And, you know, something that they haven't heard of in Brooklyn or Oakland as of the time I'm recording this bespoke gumballs uh you know somewhere in the world they're making them you know whether it's notting hill or like a cool part of singapore i'm not they say scoots please don't you're not you're, and i say okay well one day uh, you know I'm, I'm a little bit behind that uh but uh, she knew where where there was bespoke gumballs she didn't really make her own gumballs because she preferred to, to, to support gumball artisans. As well as mass-manufactured gumballs, she actually knew a lot about the process. And she, so she, you know, and color was a big part of it. 
and she would actually curate her own gumball machine from time to time. But she also found it soothing. And, oh, did I mention she used different sized gumballs in there? And every, occasionally she'd say, well, I'm feeling something. What do we, like, she'd go, she'd go online if needed. Or she'd call, like she'd hop on the old air horn or whatever they call it. Uh, and she'd say, you got anything in a cheek, like a cheek, cheek, cheek shape. Uh, but uh, I'm looking for something not quite aquamarine. And they'd say, Lady Marple, we'll put, she said, put it on the Marple account, stat, uh, or don't, you know, send it out, but just, you know, make sure to send it properly. But yeah, she could curate her gumball machine. She would use it now. She was very conscientious about it. So she would put on uh, gloves, uh, rubber gloves or latex gloves or latex-free gloves. I'm not sure because I wasn't, you know, I, I don't know. I was never there when she was curating or, or organizing. She didn't really call it organizing, working on the gumball machine. I mean, some people knit uh in one of her dreams, that was never realized, and it, she was a big fan of the Tate Modern. And she was actually setting aside funds, and maybe she still is. Uh, I don't know why I'm talking about it in the past tense, but I guess because I don't have the same hope in my heart that Lady Marple does. But she did hold a dream of having a giant... She thought it would be better as an overturned water bottle, but, you know, something, you know, probably eight stories wide, 30 stories tall, glass, uh, you know, something to do, you know, another artisan, not her, uh, and then filled with filled with gumball, art as gumballs and actual gumballs, of course, so that at some point, or multiple points, you could get a gumball from the gumball machine. So she did. She said, "Oh yeah, then maybe they could. Maybe could. Maybe they could. Some people could do something similar to sand art with gumballs, and then they could present it. And then we see as it changes. You know, she said. Then the art will change as people chew gum." And then maybe there's even a wall of chewed gum before, you know, because they say, don't come in this museum. Or please don't spit your gum. That's one thing I always wonder about um, in New York City when I lived there, when I visit there. And I always say, am I wrong or is that gum on the subway? Like, uh, especially coming out of the platforms, like uh, into the streets. But sometimes on the subway platforms, they say, is that gum on the, like, you know, 40-year-old gum there? Or is it something else? And I said, well, boy, if it's not gum, don't, please don't tell me, unless it's tar. But I say, what is that? I mean, again, you could trace back, like I say, when did people start, what, what generation was like, yeah, just spit it on the ground, man. And you say, okay, you realize it's inconvenient for you to hold your gum and spit it in a garbage can, or at least stick it underneath something like they do nowadays. But you can take something that's extremely sticky, you're just going to spit it on the ground, and assume it never impacts you, or if someone else behaves, they say, that's, uh, someone should write a, a, like, man, get an, once again, I need an anthropologist over here. 
So, well, all I could say is the Lady Marple loved, not all the time, but that was one of her hobbies. Was She called it gumballing with no G. And, like, so if someone from her family called, they said, what are you doing? She said, I'm gumballing, just gumballing around, uh... And they say, you and that, you know, it's like, uh, they say, Nana Marple, you and that gumball machine. And she says, they say, what do you work at? She said, well, I'm just greasing it right now. You know, making sure, doing the annual maintenance. But sometimes she would reorganize it. and then she, But she liked to just look at it. That was one of the things. Not like she's just turning and, and we all have those things. We forget about them. That you just look at and you say, huh, that's nice. I like how I feel when I just stare at this with an empty mind. Or staring at that empties my mind. I did, I would propose to say, do you think we could, Lady Marple, what do you say about having someone from the Roy G. Biv Institute uh, weigh in on your gumball machine? And she would say, what's the Roy G. Biv Institute? I said, well, it's an institute I invented. Uh, or Roy G. Biv Labs, we could also call it that. Uh, but that would uh, give accreditation to Christmas and holiday lights. Uh, they'd say, these are Roy G. Biv approved. And she said, well, what would that mean? I said, well, we'll work on that. I said, but you you know, you say, these lights are Roy G. Biv accredited. And I said, maybe it means, I said, we'll have to get into color theory probably, or it could just be a nonsense thing that we're using. But I say, wow, this is, is that a RG, Roy G. Biv approved gumball machine? And you would say, not just a gumball machine, those are Roy G. Biv accredited gumballs in there. I say, are those bespoke? And, and so, so she liked looking at it. She also liked the surprise of the guests when to see. And this was the thing. This is the thing about sleuths that nobody talks about, uh, especially sleuths with a big heart like Lady Marple. You don't become a lady just because you, you solved the greatest cases in the history of England or because you had you were associated with another Marple. And they said, oh, and, and, and you just said, well, if you want to make me a lady, that's fine. No, I'm not that Marple, but... Uh, I have done a lot, and one day, hopefully, I'll have a giant gumball receptacle outside the Tate Modern and a wall for chewing gum before people go into the museum. And even and part of the art would be someone doing a mouth scan. That would be somewhat performative in some way, and maybe even a spitting area as part of it. Uh, but so... Oh, boy, where was I? Lady Marple. Oh, so one thing about sleuths with big hearts like Lady Marple is they love uh, sleuthing for the next great sleuth. Like you got the Stiltons. I don't know who came first, Thea or Geronimo Stilton, but those two are, you know, I don't know. And, you know, fancy. I'm sure Fancy Nancy found, you know, uh, someone, so she was always on the lookout for someone, particularly someone like her, like a young woman with a spark in her eye, but a weary, you know, but a weary step, uh, 
sometimes those two things come in common, she would say occasionally. Uh, and she, 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 you know, it didn't have to be someone. It could be someone else. It could be, you know, one of her friends, you know, or someone. She, she was always open to being surprised, too, by who would sleuth out what the coin was for. Or who was just naive enough and, and childlike enough uh, to say, oh, I can, how much are these gumballs? Uh, and, and she would just laugh and say, well, do you want to use that coin in your pocket? Where other people say, is this what the coin was for? And uh, if you used the coin she gave you, of course, there would be a special gumball along with a regular gumball. Like, along with, like so there was another... There's another door where the special gumball would come out and it would make a clanging noise. But for you to, definitely because she put so much a variety of gumballs in that gumball machine, you'd have to keep your hands under there. Otherwise, I mean, it was a pretty heavy door. But some of the, sometimes she would put like sprinkle sized gumball, you know. I don't know if those were gim, gim, gumballs. Uh, I don't know what they're called, Tiny Gumballs. That was another song she would like to sing, though, to to people, uh, based on uh, the Don Ho song, Tiny Bubbles. She'd sing Tiny Gumballs. So, yeah, so she would love that when people thought of it, but otherwise she'd say if someone, she'd wait for people to mention it. And now I know some of you are even asking yourself, were there other coin-operated machines in Lady Marple's uh, abode? And I'd say quite possibly. But th- this kind of leads us into uh, the the great case of the uh, approachable safe. And I just added that great in there to uh, underline the fact uh, that, that every case set to Lady Marple's on is a great case. Well, yeah, once upon a time, not that far from where, you know, where Lady Marple was uh, chilling out, you know, kicking at the at the bog, uh, gumballing around, you know, there was a town and it it was uh, not that far away. And it was the main, it had the big, like, you know, there's, that's one thing, uh, that, uh, you know, has been impacted but not gone away is the safe business. Uh, and I'm talking about safes, uh, S-A-F-E-S-F, safe and face, spelled this S-A-F-E. Because, uh, well, you can buy some of that stuff online. Some of them are really heavy. It tends to be a specialized business. And there's also older ones, you know, that might need, you know, or some people want a, you know, refurbished one. But the thing is also that people forget. Uh, now, this particular safe uh, place was, it, it was known as Patience Safes. Uh, and it was run by someone named Patience. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it, like they also like had a sign out front that said safes, safes, safe. So it was really, most people knew it as safe, triple safes or triple safe or safe, safe, safe. Or for shorthand, safes, because uh, you say it, say it three times uh, or you could just say it once with an S and people would know in this area if they knew about safes in the safe business, they'd know about safes. 
And they had an online presence, but don't bother because, uh, uh, like, they, the, this was years ago. Uh, so they don't anymore. And you say, well, I don't find it. And I say, yeah, that's right. Uh, it, this is a story that hasn't been told uh, yet, uh, so it wouldn't be online now that you're listening to it via online. But this just wasn't one business. You know, patients had multi-businesses, you know, new safes, refurbished safes, uh, buying safes and selling them. So you find a safe, you know, because this region had, uh, it, it was like, a it had enough of a metropolitan region in enough of, you know, different generations that people would find old safes and they'd say, hey, you know, this is that. They also, like, pioneered some landmark laws about opening safes. Uh, and, you know, like, actually, that was one of their big online things was explaining legalities of safes and, 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 and safes. Uh, it was, uh, it was you know, just to explain you the basics. Like, because, I mean, I wouldn't know what to do. You say, you find a safe... Uh, does that mean you can open it? Well, then, how, well, what if you can't get it open? And what happens, you know, approving the, um, whatever, custodial, you know, the whatever, stewardship of safes. I think that was one of the blog posts. Uh, so that was, that's the place known as safes. Uh, and so not only did they have kind of a multi-level business and they were known around the greater region, and then people in the business, they'd say, okay, well, you try, you, you, okay, you're between London and Manchester. Okay, well, safes is the only place to go. Pay, go talk to patients. You see, otherwise, you know, you got these others too, but, but uh, you know, I, I, you know, other businesses you could consult. Uh, and they all had their own specialties. So they would also work together, you know, stay relevant. But staying relevant is more than just being good at your job and training people so they can be good at their jobs in the future. It's being a part of the community. So SAFES was part of the local community. You know, they had Tumblers for Tumbles, which was a big uh, festival they had every year. They had the sing into the safes fest, uh, and again, this is kind of in one of those idyllic situations, uh, like with a, like a like a green, a central green, and safes and some of the other you know pubs, restaurants. Uh, they are facing it now. One of the advantages patients had was patients did own the building, and was able to like it was a two like it was building big enough for two uh locate like two businesses uh so you say okay well that's one thing that patient advantage patients had because you say well what happened to those other safe businesses they'd say well that was one thing it's the real estate prices like impinged on market you know the the, the their margins where patients that building was paid off uh and normally, whatever we don't want to get into the specifics of it, but but they would have they had a couple of yearly festivals. They were part of the community, and all that you know they would have conductors, they'd have all that kind of stuff, and 
And then, you know, as the years got on, as we went from the aughts to whatever they're going to call the, 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 after the aughts, uh, the 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 business you know was getting thinner and thinner but it didn't stop that one safes exist and locksmiths and all that kind of stuff and that people are going to still need safes from time to time variety of safes and that there's older safes and there's that whole thing and you know maybe you want to see if this you could get the safe open if that's allowed maybe you want to sell the safe you say i got the safe is it worth anything it's w- f- really friggin heavy but it wasn't quite big enough cuz patients said okay well you know as they start to look at the safe business and the the kind of uh it would, would declines the wrong word but the narrowing of it uh, and the people in the safe business other than Big Safe, you know, that's what they called the Big Safe companies. Uh, but they, you know, they needed one another anyway. Patients said, you know, we got to get, we got to get the word out. Uh, we got to bring, we got to keep every few years, we got to do something big to raise overall general awareness in safes. Uh, you know, because really you got the movies, you know, heist movies and stuff like that. And other than that, you know, like it used to be kids were raised, you know, with cartoons. They saw safes all the time, uh, you know, so they, they were used to seeing safes in other places other than heist movies or in behind paintings in billionaire and super spy things. Uh, so they said if you raise awareness of safes, uh, then, you know, every few years, then somebody's going to be like, huh, what was, you know, what was the name? You know, I just found that safe in that attic there or lockbox or whatever. I can't get it open. I don't know what to do. Well, you could go on YouTube. You see, yeah. And pay, believe me, patients, you know, would have had a YouTube figured out if that was still going on. But they'd say, oh, what about that patient safe? Uh, in you know out in the you know in the Lakelands or whatever, and they say, oh yeah, yeah, what's the name of that? Let's uh, let's take a trip out there. And there's another thing their website featured to oh, make it a weekend, a safe weekend, if you will. Whether it's couples or families, they would have recommendations, places to stay, other businesses, coupons, even. But even that, so the, so the every year patients was looking for ideas, you know, you know, strong people to lift safes, uh, ju- you know, juggling safes, uh, different stuff like that. But one year they say they, this mysterious person came to town and she said, uh, you know, like you called me into town and uh, they they said I'm the mysterious person. And patient said, "I'm glad you're here. Are you gonna? Are you ready to do your thing?" And they said, "Yes. Uh, I'm gonna sit out there in the town square. Uh, something called the approachable safe. Have you been working on it? Uh, do you have uh, the, the the safe that meets my specifications?" And patient said, "Yeah, I do. I do. I do." And they said, "Good. Good. Good." Uh, then, like, uh, nice the patient said, I still don't understand what the idea is, though. You had me build this safe, and you're going to start, you're going to put it in the town square, and you're going to call it the approachable safe, and you're going to put up signs, uh, 
And then what? Uh, and the mysterious person said, just wait, patience. Be patient, patience. Uh, and you will see. But patience was willing to try. You know, these outside-of-the-box ideas rarely make sense. Uh, so stay tuned. And, you know, worked out everything with the town. And then they said they had a big unveiling. You know, they had it covered in, a, you know, covered in cloaks or whatever, you know, mysterious draperies. And they hired, you know, the school choirs and the school bands to play. And they had a little midway and food and jugglers and stuff. You know, vendors, just a fun day. And then they said, and now, uh, you know, patients said, you know, this is, the, you know, the reflected on the year of the town. And, you know, the politicians spoke. And then the person of mystery said, and now I present uh, the approachable safe. And they pulled off the thing, and they're sitting on a pedestal was a safe. And you'd say it was like a, is it a green? Is that a deep green color? And it was one of those ones that looks very heavy. About the size, well, a bit bigger than one of those refrigerators that hotels or dorms have. Uh, one knob on there, whatever that thing is called. Again, I'm not in the safe business. Uh, that you spin around, combination spinner, spinner thing. And a handle that looked like if you pulled it down, that would open the door. Would The safe itself was... Hard to tell how old it was. It was a deep, deep color. It didn't have any chips or dents on it or scrapes. And then there was all these signs. This is the approach. Do you dare approach the approachable safe? Uh, who will approach it? Uh, and everybody thought it was funny for about uh, four days. Uh, even though the mysterious person was changing the signs out, uh, you know, people would walk up to the safe. At first, you know, kids did it, and then finally someone touched it. That took, like, actually, like, uh, 45 minutes for, before the first person touched it. And it happened to be an eight-year-old girl. You know, meanwhile, there was all these high school lads watching, uh, and then they were willing to spin the knob and stuff, uh, but nothing happened. And then it became like, for a brief time, it already had worked uh, because this just happened to be the start of tourist season. And people would come and they'd take selfies with it because then it became a thing like uh, approachable safe, like a hashtag or something. And and they said, go ahead and hug it. Uh, Do you dare approach it? Do you dare embrace it? Uh, Who will kiss the approachable safe? And it even had, you know, things for for keeping it hygienic and all that. And the safe stayed there, you know, and it rained, and it's, it was sunny. And the mysterious person, you know, they got paid, and they left town, which patients did think was strange, but the this patients was like, well, that was, uh, I guess it kind of worked uh, because it went, like, it didn't go totally viral, but it's more popular than the other selfie spots. And people, like, uh, then patients was like, let's have sign competitions. Uh, 
And then they started telling, like, patients that even had, like, some worked with the local libraries and then some of the local papers to have, like, uh, fiction, like, uh, approachable, safe fan fiction category. So people were writing all these stories. And uh, th- that was really fun, you know. And then, and then patients would judge them and say, oh, wow, this one was great, uh, you know. This one where the safe became a best friend, or this one where the safe helped, even though we can't open the safe, uh, like that, you know, that in your story it held like an engagement ring, or, you know, this special recipe, or just held like a simple note that said, love one another. Those were some of patients' favorite ones. But then the, the time wore on, and it, it just got less and less popular. Tourist, tourism, you know, it became the fall or the autumn. And some of the people in the town were like, yo, patience, like, what's up with that safe? Uh, you going to just leave it out there? Like, isn't it, uh, it's getting kind of old, you know? And patience pointed out that, you know, I have contractually been able to keep it up there until the, until the 1st of January, so... And also, I had a con- you know, I also had a contract with this mysterious person, LLC, or uh, you know, whatever business this to keep it up. Uh, that was a contract, you know. I already paid them, so I don't know. But there might be something still in store. And they, they said okay, but then another month went by, and they said, you know, people uh, have opinions, you know, especially with the internet and the ability. And they said, you know, but man, that safe. You know, I used to go out there with my picnic, but I got a safe sitting there, and it reminds me of stuff, or I don't like it. It's on my nerves. Uh, got to get rid of it, patience. And patience said, well, I don't want to be a quibbler, but. Uh, I, I don't know. I can't. I just can't just get rid of it. Uh, one, two, you know, I'm kind of, I think, I feel like I'm obligated to keep it up. And uh, I feel like, it, and then and it became like a thing just because some people just got a little bit bent about it. And they said, no, 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 we don't care what your obligations are, what the town said. Uh, you know, there's new town council now anyway. And they're revoking the permit that they already gave you. And patients said, well, you know, that's not really my style, like, uh, because, you, you know, they, that's just symbolic. You can't really do that anyway. And patients said, I'll tell you what, uh, we're getting, you know, there's some intense feelings here about the safe. Uh, I think we've got ourselves a bit of a mystery, like the case of the approachable safe, uh, and maybe we could get Lady Marple to come and, like, uh, figure this out for everybody. And Lady Mar, like, so they said, you think you can get Lady Marple to come? Like, can you get her to come on a weekend? Because then we could have people, you know, people like, uh, she's, she's a lady. Like, uh, that would be great and beloved, uh. I know she says she's not that same marble and has nothing to do with that marble, but no one believes her anyway. And she's 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 done great stuff. She solved mysteries. Wow. Okay, patients, forget everything we said. And they said, actually, could you do it on this bank holiday weekend? Because uh, 
We could have, we could call it the, uh, you know, the upper middle and uh, mystery days. Uh, and a patient said, yeah, you know, believe it or not, uh, you know, I took care of some safe, you know, we have a working relationship, so I'll double check. But patients was able to get Lady Marble, Marple to come out and did explain that, yeah, it's a bit of a public uh, thing. Because and and Lady Marple said, I'd be happy to do it. Sounds curious to me. And so Lady Marple came out, and the town again made a big deal about it. it got even more press. Uh, you know, Lady Marple had come in in, in approach, you know, approachable, safe uh, news at five. You know, we can't. This this is great. And it again kind of raised awareness of. Uh, not only safes in general, but of uh, safes, uh, the patients' this place, and patients use it to kind of raise money for some of the town, you know, town charities uh, that they that they were involved in. And Lady Marple was more than willing to do that. Uh, and then uh, the town kind of gathered and then said, "Okay, well, when's Lady Marple going to inspect the cave?" They and Lady Marple said, "This could be like a little performative. I understand it. Uh, you know, send me up a chair. Uh, if you get a gumball machine, that would be great. If not, I can. Br- I'm not going to bring my personal gumball machine, but uh, and maybe we'll do an interview." Or something, you know, a little bit like a chat, uh, not related to the gumball machine. I mean, not related to the safe. Uh, and then I'll talk about my thoughts about this, this safe. Uh, and people can watch me inspect the safe and all that and approach it. And so that day came and uh, and then uh, they... they uh, you know, they did everything. They got everything set up. Uh, and uh, the, the Lady Marple walked around the safe, uh, looked at it curiously. He took some notes even, measured it for fun, uh, got under it, ran around it, skipped around it, hit it with a rubber hammer, hit it with like a tin hand, like a little, like a mining hammer, Listened to it with stethoscope, you know, sprayed it with air, bunch of stuff. Uh, did a lot of stuff that kid chewed gum, uh, walked around it, hugged it, took a selfie with it, and uh, then sat down for the interview. And first, they did like a general, you know, poop, kind of a puff piece, but also like curious about Lady Marple. And again, she said, yeah, I'm not that marble. And and they said, well, what do you think about safe? She goes, well, I just want to, you know, want you to think about some things before I tell you the conclusion, because it's going to be somewhat uh, uh, dissatisfactory. That's kind of the thing about this. Uh, but she goes, the goal was, right, uh, she goes, the thing about safes is they don't feel approachable. You know, she goes, it's sitting there in the sun, but it still feels cold. But it didn't feel cold when people were dancing around it. And uh, and then she said, do you see what I mean? Like, it was just by calling it the approachable. She goes, that was one of the tricks, uh, was by calling it the approachable safe and daring people to approach it. It made it approachable. And she goes, but as soon as that wore off, it again became this kind of uh, thing 
it's not really ominous, but uh, like safes, you don't really think about them, right? And they said, okay. And she, they said, so was this some sort of marketing stunt? And she goes, well, this, this uh, patient's safe has a history of doing marketing stunts every single year. If I'm uh, correct, multiple times if you count the community events. And they said, you're right. And they said, yeah, they said, oh, so is it patience? It was a mysterious person. And Lady, Lady Marple said, not quite. Uh, it had to be someone who wanted to, like, uh, maybe that started a business with the intention of slowly raising enough money to fund an art installation at the Tate Modern, or if if, if she couldn't get the Tate Modern uh, or, or she, you know, she couldn't get the idea of be like, well, I could put this much down. Who, what other super rich person is going to fund this? Maybe the queen will hear about it. Uh, uh, maybe, or maybe she would do something and get coverage, uh, for her new business, uh, uh, where she solves cases, and they said, "So you're using this as a market. This is a marketing opportunity to of your marketing opportunities." And uh, Lady Marple said, "Yeah, eyeballs equal gumballs." Uh, and she said, "By the way, if anybody's watching, picture picture this: a giant gumball machine in front of the Tate Modern." And uh, they said, for, and then she said, one second, please. Everybody got, uh, got kind of irritable, you know, because uh, she says, anybody, how many people have tried to open the safe? You know, raise your hand. And uh, she said, how many people actually know the silly rules behind opening some of these locks? Uh, and a few kids that had opened lockers or so said, you know, the stupid, you got to go skip by it, left, or, you know, skip by it or whatever. And she said, yeah, that's ridiculous, too. And then she said, is anybody, like, uh, and then there was people from the cryptography clubs and stuff who had actually tried to get the combination. And, you know, they had tried latitudes and longitudes and break in the case of the approachable safe uh, and all, all a bunch of different stuff, uh, and then she kind of giggled, uh, and she said, they said, was it public knowledge? And she said, kind of, you could have found it out, uh, but it would have been hard. So I don't blame any of you. And she goes, cause it's a uh, patient's birthday. And so then, uh, they said, patience, what's your birthday? They said, and then she picked one of the kids that raised their hand. She said, "Come on up and open this safe for all of us." And uh, she came and opened it, and she said, "Oh, there's like uh, some papers in there." And she said, "Oh, that's interesting. Why don't you approach the papers and, and take them out and bring them to the? Because by now, like some of the town council was like pish poshing." And uh, then Lady Marple said, "I'll, I'll read these. I'll read these." Uh, and it was like a, like um, a future plan from uh, patients who said, you know, in the future, you know, I'm not going to be in the safe business forever, uh, but uh, hopefully I'll be in it for a while longer. 
but I also own these two, sh- you know, sh- I own the shop and the building the shop's in, which houses another shop, uh, you know, which brings in all this rent and it has this much value. And, you know, I have the business uh, and, uh, you know, this is what I would like to do when, when I'm when I go, you know, to crack the big safe in the sky is to give all this uh to the townspeople, but in this very deliberate way. And on top of that, like, uh, because I think of this hype, we're going to auction, we're auctioning this off in the next 10 minutes online. That's Lady Marple's idea. Lady Marple said, reading from the notes or from patients. And that money's going to go to establish this fund uh, to create a, uh, like apprentice in uh, like a like a like a what do you call that uh, a tr- to to pay for the education of kids anywhere in, in in that region or beyond full scholarship with housing and food and everything that people that say I might want to be in the safe business uh, and that forever safes will be a place of, of like. Uh, and they said, Lady Marple did it, and, and, you know, the calculations are we can run this thing for 90 years. Uh, uh, and then, the, like, like uh, everything else will go to the, to the town, you know, these things in the town. But this will be a working teaching business uh, where we'll make safes approachable to the next few generations of safe smiths or, or locksmiths. But then what... Uh, uh, like, uh, of course, because she was also a show person, Lady Marple did was say, okay, open the safe door the whole way. And they had like a false back in there. Like that looked like it was, you could see into the whole safe, but you really couldn't. And what you couldn't see, people had seen it before, but they thought it was just for rainwater. And someone before the presentation had cleaned it out in the, um, stand that the safe was on was like a channel running down each side, running down the front of it off of a lip, uh, which people said, oh, it's a brilliant way to keep water from pooling around the safe. But uh, uh, she said, children, gather around there, uh, get in line and and gather around and put your hands under that, uh, like it looks like a little nozzle spout, uh, and she pulled the back off, and then there was a slow-release machine she had in the back of the safe releasing gumballs. And that was how the case of the approachable safe turned out uh, pretty well for everybody, except for people who got, you know, they said, I don't know, I don't know, like, how that turned out. Uh, and then everybody lied down because it was a beautiful day. Chewing gum. Listen to the town of an entire community chewing gum laying in the grass of the town green. Some people dreaming of the Tate Modern, some people dreaming of becoming a locksmith or a safe smith or the crack in the big safe in the sky, or just dreaming up wacky ideas to keep things interesting, uh, where they, you know, to, to, to focus the attention on stuff. Uh, you say, oh, I needed a refresh there. Uh, good night. I don't want to thank everybody that reviewed.